0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to the first ever episode of Washed Up Talk. I'm your host, Billy Cole, and I am the wash-up who will be conducting these interviews over the course of this podcast. Uh, so what, what I hope to do with this podcast is I want it to be the first half of talking just about Canadian hoops. So the Raptors, uh, college hoops, uh, uh, U-Sport around Canada. Uh, and then we'll end off the podcast with a feature interview. So for this first episode, I'll be talking to Javon Masters. He's the all-time leading U-sport score from uh, Ontario. He played for the University of New Brunswick and won the 2018 AUS Championship, which was UMB's first championship since the 1960s. Uh, it was a great interview. He's currently playing pro ball in Romania right now. So for this first episode, I don't have too, too much to talk about. Um, I will touch a little bit on the Toronto Raptors right now in their current state. Uh, We know the trade deadline had just passed, and they elected to keep Kyle Lowry, their aging point guard, who is the heart and soul of the franchise. And of of course, they dealt Norman Powell to the Portland Trailblazers for Rodney Hood, and Gary Trent Jr. So for the Kyle Lowry uh, deal, not really, but I I I think it was the wrong move. That's what I'll say about Kyle Lowry. Uh, I know Mazai your jury, had some talks with Philadelphia, Miami, uh, the LA Lakers, of course. Philadelphia went out and got George Hill, so that took them off the table early on in the trade deadline. Um but you jury wanted Tyler Hero from Miami. And if if Miami wasn't gonna give up Hero for James Harden, and I love Kyle Lowry, but he's not at the same level of, of uh James Harden. So if they weren't gonna do that, I couldn't see them giving up Tyler Hero for for Kyle Lowry. But what really surprised me was the fact that the Lakers wouldn't give up uh, Horton Tucker for Kyle Lowry. That was the uh, deal breaker for both sides. LA wouldn't give him up. The Toronto wanted him. Didn't happen. And now the Raptors have Lowry for the rest of the season. Um, at first, I thought maybe Toronto could make a push for the playoffs. They had a big game against Chicago where they were only two games back at the 10th spot so they could make the play in tournament, and they ended up losing. They've had some bad luck. I know Fred Van Vliet's been out for a little bit. Kyle Lowry, we were just talking about him. He he hasn't been playing that much. Siakam just isn't uh, great as a number one option. I still think he's got time left to prove himself, but I don't think it will happen. He just... He's inconsistent. I know tonight he's not going to be playing against Cleveland because he needs a rest. I'm not sure what he's going to be resting from. Uh, We really need Van Vliet back in the lineup and Powell. Um, But the Powell deal, it was okay. You know, Gary Trent's been playing pretty good for the Raptors. Uh, He had that big night against Golden State. I think he was a plus 54, which is just ridiculous. It was a franchise record. Uh, But, you know, Gary Trent Jr. is kind of a... I wouldn't say necessarily a downgrade. He's definitely not as good as Powell, but he's like a younger version of him. And so far, you know, he seems to be loving Toronto. He he's been he's been um, saying "We the North" on Twitter. I think he's said it more than Kawhi ever said in his tenure with Toronto. Um, but yeah, so I, I I don't think the playoff pushes is, is gonna happen. Unfortunately, um, this off season. It'll be interesting to see what happens. It'll be the most exciting yet unclear offseason in Raptors history if they elect to let go of Kyle Lowry and not re-sign him and Chris Boucher, who I'd love to see back next year. But if they don't bring those guys back, they have room for a max contract. You have guys in the Raptors' core, such as Van Vliet, OG Anunoby, and Siakam, who can really be the core of the future and can compete for a championship i see these raptors as the 2016 raptors 2015 raptors with DeMar De rosen and jonas valanchunas they're a second round team maybe a third round team obviously this year they haven't lived up to those expectations i think maybe playing in tampa has had an effect who knows What would happen if they were back in Toronto playing in front of their home fans? Um, But they need that star. And so far, no one has been able to take on that role. They wanted Pascal Siakam to be that guy. It hasn't happened. He's putting up good numbers, but he's not putting up all-star numbers. I don't know what's going to happen for the rest of this this season. Each game, it's just a disappointment. They had a chance against uh, Chicago, like I said. They couldn't quite pull it together. I know they were missing some guys. They went on that brutal nine-game losing streak. They had guys like Ananobi, Van Vliet, Kyle Lario, COVID protocols. I think Siakam missed a couple games as well. Even Nick Nurse missed a game, their head coach, because he had coronavirus. It's just been... A disappointing year um, but that's all I'll say for now for this first episode in the future i will be bringing on some guests talking about our days as a high school phenoms with my incredible stats I think I was a zero-time all-star zero-time champion 0-2 playoff record but you know I, I had a great time playing in high school and and I'd love to keep talking about the game so, without further ado, I'll take you to the interview of Javon Masters, so I hope you enjoy. Hey, how's it going?
1: Hello, hello, hello. How how are you? I'm good, man. I'm good, man. How are you doing?
0: I'm doing pretty good. I'm just going to get my sound adjusted here. Yeah, no worries. All right. How's life?
1: Good, man. Good. Just playing ball just working crafting myself yeah just focusing on just trying to get better you know as much yeah. as I can during this crazy time you know mhm where are you right now you're in Romania i'm in Romania playing in a top division top division in Romania so okay leagues no leagues league really really good League's yeah. really good
0: good um i'll start with uh, i read or uh, i saw in a CBC video you said uh, you started playing basketball, you were two years old, and your father yeah. bought you a little mini hoop and you made your first shot. Yeah. Um, how, how much of an influence did basketball have on you growing up?
1: It had a lot of influence, you know. Uh, I used to play basketball, soccer, a whole bunch of other sports, you know, growing up because I was like in a very athletic household, like with my mom and dad and stuff, and then my brother as well when he was when he was born so playing basketball really was the main thing Uh, I did other sports like I stated but for the most part basketball I would be going to a uh, Toronto Raptors games or just watching NBA online and on tv and stuff like that and just just keep playing it as much as possible really gave me a love for it and I'm finally able to do what I've been always wanting to do which is play professionally so I can't I was I love the game of basketball and I'll always love it. it doesn't it doesn't matter. Mm-hmm.
0: You probably would have been able to go to the, uh, the Sky Dome, eh, when the Raptors were still playing there?
1: Yeah, we did. We, uh, I remember we went to the Sky Dome. Uh, I think it was late 1990s. And we went and watched them, and then we watched when Vince Carter was there. I was, able, I was actually able to shoot on the court, take a couple jumpers. Oh, really? With my dad. Yeah, my dad had a couple connections, so we were able to go on the floor after the game. And yeah, just going with friends to watch games. I went when Blake Griffin was with the Clippers. I watched when Amari was with New York. So I always try and watch basketball as much as basketball as possible because you get to learn a lot of stuff and you can always add some stuff into your game. So just try to watch as much as possible. Is solid.
0: <clears throat> and you said uh, in grade 10, that's when you started really focusing on basketball, right?
1: Yeah, correct. So I went into my grade 10 year. The previous year I was playing soccer and I was doing track. And then going into my grade 10 year, I just decided like, nah, I think I just want to solely focus on basketball. I just try to perfect it as much as possible. So I just flow from grade 10, I just focused solely on basketball. Just my training, how I ate watching film and stuff it was just focusing on basketball, really.
0: Mm-hmm. What film did you usually watch? What kind of film?
1: Uh, usually my dad would record the games, um, so we would go on the road, like on road trips and stuff. My dad would always bring his uh, camcorder. He would always watch the games and then like he'll film it, then we'll watch the games and we'll just see how I was looking on the floor, what I have to do to improve, mm-hmm. and just little stuff like that that I've taken with me, even when I went to UNB and how much film we used to watch over there. That just became a habit because we started it so young. So I think just little habits like that from when I was yay high till now like really helped me become the basketball player I am today.
0: So you get to your senior year of high school, and it's time yeah. to uh, decide what university you're going to be going to. How does UMB come into this?
1: So at first, I was actually supposed to go to Cape Breton University. Uh, fully committed. I was actually planning. I told Coach Skin at the time I was going to go there. So then he says that they have a couple of guys that he recruited over me and stuff. So after, after he told me that, I was like, all right, you guys are out of the picture. So my trainer at the time, Kyle Julius got me in touch with Coach Baker, took my visit. And then maybe two weeks later I committed to UNB and then I had my provincials. And then once it hit, I think July, that's when I went out there and then just started to get myself acclimated to the campus and, prepare myself for a crazy five years
0: mm-hmm. so they actually they were recruiting people over you at cape breton is that what i how, how did yeah. that how does that make you feel at the time
1: at the time it was just they they had a really a lot of talent at that school they had um i think jimmy dorsey they had shaquille keith and Lufa, mufa who i'm still good boys with to this day and I was actually like, they won an AUS title the previous year, the year I was before I was going to go. So I was actually going to think because I was going to get a chance to play with maybe Shaq and me, Shaq and all of them. And when they told me that they had guys rec- recruited over me, it kind of hurt a little bit. But at the same time, it's just, you just got to move on. You got to use that as motivation, which I did. And you just got to keep looking for a school that will take an opportunity for you. And uh, luckily and thankfully, UMB was able to do that. So. It's all good. I don't have any regrets with my decision at all, to be
0: honest. Yeah, well, I, w- I would say it worked out for you. Um, was there a, I'm trying to imagine the playing style in Ontario. Obviously, Ontario, um, there's a lot more skilled players than there would be in Atlantic Canada. I've always found Atlantic Canada more grit and grind type of playing style. Did you yeah. have to adjust your style at all when you came down to New Brunswick?
1: A little bit. Uh, I mean, still the style of offense that we ran with Coach Baker it was still kind of, it had a mix. It had a mix of what uh, was playing in the East Coast at the time and then what we wanted to use in Ontario. So we used a lot of like isolation stuff, pick and roll stuff, just getting the defense off balance and then playing in open space as much as possible that's really like kind of how we played in ontario like we were more like freely i mean being able to take guys off the bounce so i think coach baker did a really good job of incorporating all that kind of stuff when he um when we came up with plays and stuff like that so i gotta give full credit to the coaching staff all those times i was there to just develop game plans based on our personnel and how it uh how it made us successful all those years i was there
0: mm-hmm. and coach baker obviously just retiring Due to uh yeah. health issues how would you describe yeah. him as a coach I know you just touched a little bit on his adjustments that he was able to make and everything how about like as a person
1: as a person he was great I mean he's the he's like a second father to me I've told him that multiple times he knows he knows how I feel towards him he has the same type of respect and love for me as well and I know how much he wants to coach it obviously sucks, but as me and him talked after I found out he was retiring, like the biggest thing is your health right now. Like you, I know how much you love the coach and stuff, but your health is the biggest thing. And he just is gonna carry all the memories that he's had, like from my time there when he was there, um, the highs, the lows, the the smiles, the cries and stuff like that. There's a whole world of emotions when talking about it. But I mean, I'm just super happy for him. And we were so we were able to accomplish so much when we were there. Not many people thought we would be able to accomplish what we did. But and now uh, after um, so many years there, he finally got an AUS title that he can brag about to a lot, to a lot of people. So I'm just happy for him for everything he's done for me as a person and a basketball player for sure. Mm-hmm.
0: You think made that 2018 team so special to get past Saint Effects i think it was a three point game was it
1: yep uh yeah i mean i, I think that team those oh guys i think we just had a sense of togetherness and we just we had a couple of high we had a lot of highs that year but not many people know we had some lows i mean we had some like We had some inner house stuff that was going on. We had to figure out things, like figure out guys' rules, how we were going to navigate through this. Because as a basketball team, like when you're going through the year, right, like there's going to be highs, there's going to be lows, like guys are going to be hurt and stuff like that. So you just got to continue on that road, you know what I mean? So I think just that team and just our mindset that we just have to try and get better each and every day just looking forward, taking every game serious, every minute, every practice. And then once we got to Halifax, it was just business-like. We just had to execute and stuff. It was just perfect. The messaging of the guys was perfect. Game plans were put well together. Nothing else to say, really. Then we finally won a title. It was, mm-hmm. just, it was just a perfect blend of everything. Like, everybody was so hardworking from the coaching staff to the players. So yeah. it was great.
0: What were some of those lows that may have happened?
1: I think we went on like a couple game losing streak, that one little part of the year against Dow and Acadia. And I think we were just, we watched the game as a team, those two games as a team. And we just tried to fix some stuff. We had to, because we were in both those games, those are the type of the lows I'm talking about. Just knowing that we can play much better than actually what we were playing. Um, Just holding guys accountable for certain stuff, like on the basketball court and whatnot. I think those are just really those, those main things, just like handling adversity and stuff and just trying to persevere because at the end of the day, we all want one thing, which was an AUS title. And those are the type of things that's going to happen. You know, After we played Memorial, those were type of like a low. Right now, we lost that game. That was like a bad loss for us at the time, like unacceptable. We picked it up a little bit. Then we lost those two games I was talking about. So just little things like lows like that is what I think made us better. Come down to the stretch of the season. Mm-hmm.
0: And then, of course, the final game. I think it was the Scotia Bank Arena yep. against St. Effects. There's two seconds left and it's a Hail Mary pass. What's going through your head there?
1: So, when we, um, yeah, so when Jesse hit the free throws, he put us up three and there was two seconds left. So, when uh, Devontae threw it, I'm just like, I see the trajectory of the ball. And I'm like, all right, cool. This is going out of bounds. So I just don't want any of the guys to touch. Like, just don't touch the damn ball. Just don't, just don't touch the ball. Because then we're going to inbound on the other end and then we are going to have to go, whatever. So I'm going, I'm, I'm walking down. I'm like, wow, like, all we have to do is inbound the ball and we're finally champions, you know? We worked so hard for this. So I'm just trying to get the guys into the position. Like, we just have to execute this last play. We didn't execute it well, but they had the Hail Mary. And as the ball is going up, and I hear the buzzer. I knew it was not going to count. And I was just like, holy crap. Like, no words could ever describe that feeling. Like, I finally won a title for the school. That uh, huge weight lifted on my shoulders. Like, so many emotions. Like, it was ridiculous. And I was able to hug all the guys because it was a whole team effort, that whole season, that game. Found Coach Baker, Coach Daly, all that. So it was just great. It was just a phenomenal game. A Credit to St. FX. Those guys really had an unreal tournament to that point, beating Acadia and Dow. But I'm just so proud of the guys, and we were able to accomplish something that prior to that wasn't done since 1967. So mm-hmm. love those guys. Love those guys for sure.
0: you remember what maybe the locker room was like afterwards and maybe anything uh, Brent <laughs> Baker had said to you guys?
1: Oh man, um, I know the guys. We were we were on the floor for like another like 20 minutes. Guys were taking photos with the trophy, with the mesh, and just you get your piece of piece of the mesh or whatever. But once Coach Baker came in, like we all just sat there and just exhaled and just was so thankful and excited that we finally accomplished what we set out to accomplish. Like all the times that we went into the Scotia Bank Center my years previous was really like disheartening always going there always coming a little bit little bit short each year but finally breaking through and winning that just was so relieving for all of us uh coach Baker was pretty so ecstatic I remember we were getting dressed and um me what we were a couple of the guys left already to go to the bus and me and him we were sitting across from each other and we're just laying down like sitting there and we just look at each other we're like it's about damn time, right? <laughs> it's about damn. I'm like, yeah, man. And he's just like, you know what, Jay? I don't even want to leave from this seat right now. Like, he was just he wanted to stay and sit right there and just bask in it all. But we were just ecstatic bringing the trophy out back to the bus and just all the support that we had that entire weekend was phenomenal from all the UMB alumni. So I'll never forget that night for sure.
0: Do you feel a sense of leadership with it being – was it your fifth year, I think, right? You played five years. How do you think your leadership propelled the team to victory?
1: I think it was good. I mean, um, prior to the season, I was able to go with – I was able to go to Taiwan with those guys and play for the national team. So I think being there for a month or so with those guys just really gave me an idea of how I wanted the team – to practice, how we wanted to act and stuff like that. So just coming back to UMB training each and every day and just figuring out how with ways with Coach Baker to get our team to go in the direction we want to go. I think those were the things that I was able to do. And then I think a lot of guys as well, we did a lot of team building stuff. We did a lot of stuff like guys were getting in the gym, I think, yeah, a lot of guys were in the gym. Just it was like a competitive, it was a very competitive team that we had. Like, if a guy was in the gym, like nobody else didn't want that guy to be in the gym. They wanted to go into the gym as well and just get better lift and all that other stuff. So, I think just stuff like that really helped the team still keep rolling. Guys were being competitive and in practice too. So, I think it was just a healthy, competitive atmosphere that we had with the team. So, I think me as well having that same type of attitude in practice and whatever really helped us keep going and keep going and keep playing through any type of adversity
0: that we had. I do want to backtrack a little bit because I know you mentioned the national team. Uh, So back in 2013 or 2013, we saw Anthony Bennett, the first Canadian to go number one, Andrew Wiggins the year after, and then guys like Nick Stalskis, Tyler Ennis, many were considering the golden age of Canadian basketball. And some yeah. are saying that came from the Vince Carter effect. Mm-hmm. Would you say you were part of the Vince Carter effect and, how, and the Raptors influenced you growing up?
1: Yeah, definitely. Uh, not many people were really into basketball back in the early 2000s. Um, so when the, they heard about the Toronto Raptors team, I heard about Toronto when I was younger. I was very interested in like everybody. Everybody in Toronto was talking about Vince Carter everybody was talking like you couldn't go anywhere in Toronto without hearing about Vince Carter so it was he had a huge influence not only just in Toronto but in Canada as a whole so I think with him introducing a lot of kids to playing basketball and then just how crazy the game has come from then till now is just a testament to where it started with him and where it's gone with guys like DeMar DeRozan and Kyle Lowry and uh Kawhi for that brief little stint that he had there just stuff like that really just keeps pushing the game forward here in Canada and stuff like that yeah for sure
0: Mm -hmm. because there was a a bit of a a dead point with the Raptors after Carter left we had Chris Bosch for a bit but the the playoff drought was a little bit uh they weren't doing so hot but then 2014 happens and they trade Rudy Gay and everyone thinks they're done, but Kyle Lowry, he he and DeMar DeRozan start a little playoff streak, and then, of yep. course, Kawhi Leonard comes. What do you see the the future of Canadian basketball with the Raptors winning a championship? Do you think it's going to become even more popular?
1: Definitely. Uh, definitely, for sure. Uh, I, never, I know a lot of people never thought that we would see an NBA championship here in Toronto or in Canada as a whole, so just – just that off rip. And then I have a lot of people just wanting to play basketball in the city, in the country as well. Just where it is now, you have influences like Jamal Murray, you have guys, like you said, Anthony Bennett, Andrew Wiggins, uh, who else is there? Ken Birch. It doesn't even matter. The amount of Canadians playing, not necessarily just in the NBA, but like overseas here as well, there's guys like Keza Keane, Johnny verhanima Thomas Scrub, Connor Morgan, all these guys are playing over here as well. So just a testament to how basketball has evolved with how much Canadians, like really good Canadian talent, either playing in the NBA or just here overseas is great to see. And I believe it's going to continue to grow and evolve for sure. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. And we've also got the uh, National Basketball League of Canada and the uh, CEBL, which you actually were participated in with Hamilton, what yeah. was your experience like with the honey badgers?
1: It was cool. It was great. Um, just the competitive atmosphere that was there, uh playing against really high level guys that a guy that's played high high level division one, uh high level leagues of Europe, uh even MBA. Uh just practicing with them for that summer, playing a little bit here and there was really good for me, just with my mindset coming over here, cause if I'm able to play score. Defend and feel like I belong. Where I feel like I do belong on any given court that I step on, uh, that I can just go anywhere here in Europe and play. And that's what I've been able to do here in Romania as well. That's just like the mindset that I was able to go from there and bring it here. So it's been good. It was a good experience for sure. Mm -hmm.
0: And so you you're in Romania and you were in Spain, I believe. Yep. What went into that 2018 (sighs) off season? when after you graduate from UMB and it's time to, uh, move away from university basketball and transition into professional.
1: Yeah, I'm good. I'm good. Sorry. Wi-Fi kicked out a little bit, my fault.
0: Oh no, that's okay. Um, so in 2018, after you guys, when the AUS, uh, you graduate from university of New Brunswick and it's time yep. to, uh, transition away from university and into professional basketball. What was that off-season like for you?
1: So, I mean, after I graduated, my parents came for my convocation. I had to pack up all my stuff. That was a bittersweet movement, I'm not going to lie. Just campus I've been on for five years, school completed. So then they just drove, picked me up, and then went back to the house, to the crib. And going into that summer, first to start, I wanted to just relax and chill with my friends and just not even think about basketball, you know, because... The whole season was wild. I was just so exhausted from the season and just wanted to relax because like, school was also a big thing as well. So then I just started getting training back in, getting myself back in training mode. And then I ended up signing with my agent at the time, Demetrius uh, Seymour with Blacktop Management. And then um, I, he ends up getting me that contract in Spain. And uh, that Spanish team was Orense. Uh, that was a really good experience for me as well. I mean, playing a little bit here and there, learning from all the vets and on the team and stuff like that was really good. Uh, we made the final four, so I can't I can't complain about that. I mean, it was great. It was a really good experience playing in Spain and then coming here to Romania as well. like I said, top division uh, for Dinamo, uh, we went, we went to another final four last year before COVID hit. So, I mean, it's been good. It's been good. I can't complain about the two, two, two countries I've played in so far, but we'll see. We'll see what happens with next year as well. Mm-hmm.
0: What's life like uh, as a professional athlete during uh, Corona 19 uh, uh, restrictions?
1: Uh, it's it's cool. I mean, I don't really, unless I'm going to practice or I go to the store to get some stuff. I'm really in my room, not really going anywhere. Uh, I have my PS4, so I'm just watching Netflix and just keep checking in with people at home, checking in on the fam, the friends, and making sure everyone's good at home, just simple things like that. I don't really try and go out as much. I mean, we have curfews here as well, so it's it's whatever. got to be in your house by 11. Okay. It's all it's all good um the only thing that bothers me living over over here is because of the, the ambulance i hear the ambulance literally like five times a day there's a hospital literally down the street so literally yeah. five six times a day, a day i just hear the ambulance <laughs> just blaring in my ears
0: yeah i've heard some sirens throughout the uh the past couple minutes here
1: <laughs> it's, it's ridiculous it's ridiculous <laughs>
0: Uh, you mentioned your family, and I do want to ask about your uh, your brother, Marcus Masters. So yep. my older sister, who actually went to UMB as well during the time you went there, she yep. played basketball as well. I've always felt like there was a sense of rivalry. Like, I, I want to be better than she was. Do you feel yeah. that with your
1: brother? Of course, of course. We're just super competitive with everything. Uh, basketball, when we're playing PS like PlayStation doesn't matter. We're always super competitive, so um, I I remember joking with him after he hit that game winner against uh, Cape Breton that he was the first Masters to win a playoff game in the in the family, and that hurt me so much. I was so mad when he told me that, but I so I always tell him I was like, hey, I got an AUS title up on you, so until you get that, you can't say anything. But nah, he's just we're just super competitive, and I'm just super proud of. Everything he did his freshman year, uh, becoming an all-rookie team and just handling all the expectations that people had of him. And he's just going to continue to get better both on and off the floor. He's now has a year under his belt. And um, I think I'm going to see – you guys are going to see a jump from him and just – him just locking in more and just being better doing what he can to try and win a title for the school. Mm -hmm.
0: Right. And something else he wouldn't have – is the uh the scoring record yeah, can, you he take, have, he, uh... can you take me through that that game against Saint Mary's when you uh, when you passed
1: the record uh yeah for sure so I mean there was a big thing going into it uh I think I was 26 away from breaking the record so we were playing smew and I think we were trying to get I think it was after we lost. I think it's after we lost to Acadia, the, that Dal Acadia weekend, or I think we beat PEI twice or whatever. So I think we were going into that weekend against Smooth saying, like, all right, we need to get these two. Like, we got to get these two. We got to build some more momentum. Going so into that game, I was just thinking of it like another game, you know, just seeing, feeling out how the game was going early on, just getting my teammates involved, not trying to force anything, and then um, just picking my spots when I could. And as the game waned on, I could realize that they were getting tired. They were getting fatigued. So I was just able to attack, attack. And usually when guys are fatigued, they just tend to lean more. They try to reach and stuff like that. So I was able to get to the free throw line. And um, going to the free throw line, hit those free throws, and then hitting a layup, and then hitting that three to end the quarter was a pretty nice way of capping it. Um, Just realizing that I broke the record, it was just – I was really more in game mode, so I couldn't really think about it. But um, after a while, after the game, my phone was blown up from people back home and stuff. So it was pretty cool. It was pretty cool. But at the time, I was still worried about what we had to do to win a title at the time. But after the season was done, I was just in awe of what I was able to accomplish for sure. You ever miss New Brunswick? Yeah, I've always I've been planning on coming back. I've been planning on coming back. I don't know if it will be coming in the summer or if I have a break here, whatever. I'm overseas. I've always, because I want to come watch my brother play Mm -hmm. when he's over there. So, only the best times would be probably in February, because usually they have um, Euro qualifiers around the world during February time. Like the windows are November and February, I believe. So, if I was able to get time off and be able to go see him play in February or something, I'll definitely come back to and be and come want to play and just enjoy myself
0: back in the town that I used to go to. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I want to ask you about, uh, social justice. So we saw obviously the NBA has a big platform. They were able to put, uh, in the, in the bubble in Orlando, Black Lives Matter on the Jersey or excuse me, the, on the court and the jerseys yeah. too. They gave the players the option. Um, what What is going on in Romania right now? Is there any anything similar to that that the players are able to do?
1: Not really. Stuff like that is not really going on right now. I mean, for us as players over here, we understand what's going on. Like everybody has an understanding of what's going on. Uh, I think it's just the biggest thing is just to educate people, um, just make sure we know what's right from wrong. We just understand each other as a human race. My, obviously, background is different from yours, just understanding each other's cultures and histories is the biggest thing of the way we can move forward. Um, but now to answer your question, they don't really do stuff like, they're not really doing stuff like that, but everybody understands what's at what's at stake, but what's, under, uh, what's going on in the world and how we can be better as people, for sure.
0: Mm-hmm. Do you think you'd like to see something like that implemented?
1: I mean, eh, yeah, for sure. But at the same time, it's just, at the end of the day, it's all about you as a person, uh, educating somebody if you think something was said wrong or actually was done wrong. I think that's the biggest thing going on right now is just being educated and trying to help people understand stuff. Uh, that's what's going on in the world. And that's what I think continues. You just got to learn, try and learn something each and every day is the biggest thing I can think of right now, to be honest. Mm-hmm.
0: And before we wrap things up, is there anything uh, a favorite UMB basketball moment?
1: Um, well, obviously the AUS title game is a favorite. Um, the SMU game was... Uh, hmm. Oh, okay, here's one. Here's one. It involves Coach Baker, too. So, um, every, so you know how Coach Baker used to coach at st effects right i have a baker story yeah, yeah this was a this is a funny baker story so he used the coach at st effects so every time we went to x wanted to win at no matter what like if we lost against x he was living he was pissed so i remember one year we um this was when, uh, my second year my second year when we were ranked at the time i think we were ranked like number five or something in the country or something like that and we go to X and we're playing them. And we, um, we played, we were super sloppy with the ball, just making dumb decisions, whatever this, blah, blah, blah. So we're down by like, I think seven or six or something at halftime. <laughs> and we get into the locker room and Coach Baker comes in. He knows this story too. He comes in and he's just like, you guys are playing so bad. This just goes. Irate at us. This goes on and on and on and on. And he's just like, This does not look like a team that's ranked seventh in the damn country. This blah blah blah. You guys better wake the hell up going on and on. I can't say what he was saying, but you guys understand the gist. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Understand the gist. Get out there and we just flip the switch, end up winning the game by like six or five or whatever. Matt, I think I remember Matt Daly had 20 that game, just came up super clutch in the second half. It was marvelous. Getting in the locker room, he's just super happy, just smile. He's just like, that's what the heck I'm talking about. This, blah, blah. It doesn't need me to put a foot in your behind to play like that. I was just like, coach, like, it was part of the game. You just had to get adjusted, man. It was just one of those. But I had, I have so many, umb and Baker stories it's ridiculous but that's probably one of my favorite ones anytime we go to Saint effects he just turned into a madman because he just hates to lose there so bad like so bad
0: wow so it's just a matter of adjusting and do you think the pep talk really fired you guys up? yeah
1: yeah because we knew because he knew how to motivate us during like my years when we were there like he had certain sayings he would have um quotes and stuff like that he just knew how to motivate everybody to buy in and just do their specific job in order to give their team our team the best chance to win and just follow follow the scouting report and majority of the time that's exactly what we did we went to the playoffs every year me and him talked we had a 67 percent winning percentage when I was there with him won an AOS title so I mean the five years I had with him was phenomenal and mm-hmm. I bought into every little thing that he had that we wanted. Um, he trusted me; I trusted him. And he knows how I feel. I love, will always love him, no matter what. He has the same thing for me too. So, I mean, it's great. It was just a great five years with him for sure. And I'm gonna, I'm gonna miss him coaching for sure. Mm-hmm.
0: Have you been in touch with him since uh, his announcement?
1: Yeah, me and him. It's actually funny because um, he's a. Uh, he doesn't really FaceTime anybody. He doesn't FaceTime. like He doesn't do the face-to-face like that. Right. He usually just calls people on the phone. So like with me, I can't really call. So I only can FaceTime him. So he says I'm really the only one that he FaceTimes. So the first time we actually FaceTime, he like had the phone and he was like this. And I looked at <laughs> him and I was, like, well, I was like, what are you doing, man? Like just hold the phone regularly. Like You don't have to hold it back like that. And he's gotten better with the adjusting. So yeah, we FaceTimed uh based on the the day actually it was announced and what did he tell Uh, you just um it was a pleasure Uh, I have so many memories with you um those things will never go away the bond that we created will never go away um he just told me that his health is the biggest thing he wants to focus on right now and I told him like hey I understand um I'm not going to tell you not to coach and whatever i your health is the most important thing right now so he's like yeah no he um was happy to coach me coach my brother um the memories like I stated were phenomenal he doesn't even a lot of he even told me like a lot of people think like the AUS title was his favorite moment like obviously it is but his favorite moment is more of um the road trips and uh just bonding and just getting to know everybody because you can't really take those memories away and like just those bonds we create those will never go away so it was good it was a great we talked for like an hour and a bit before I had to go to practice so it was great talking to him I'll talk to him here again and stuff like that so
0: mm-hmm. great well I think that's all I had to ask you um no really appreciate you taking some time out of your day and uh yeah I I really appreciate it
1: Yeah, no worries, man. Appreciate the interview, you know. I don't mind doing stuff like this. It's pretty chill just getting to talk hoops.
0: Hey, everyone, it's me again. Uh, Thanks for listening to the interview. Uh, In the future, I hope to have longer intros. Like I said, we bring in on some guests, talk about Canadian hoops, and maybe uh, remember our days as actual basketball players. It'll be some good conversations, some good laughs, some in-depth conversations about Canadian hoops and we'll have some more guests on with Canadian hoops related. So, with that being said, I hope you enjoyed the podcast. You can follow me on Instagram at Colt underscore or the podcast Instagram, which is just Washed Up Talk. If you want to email me with some tips, feedbacks, ideas, what, whatever you may have, you can find me at billycole8.outlook.com. Thanks again, everyone. Have a good day.